welcome to the Recovering Academic Podcast. I'm Amanda, and I'm at the beginning of my journey outside of academia through starting my own scientific editorial service. I'm Ian, and I'm in the process of leaving academia, aiming for a career in science communication or editing. And I'm Dr. PMS. I've left academia about one year ago to work as a biotech salesperson, and I'm still in recovery. We're in various phases of transitioning out of academia, and we'll share insights, advice, and problems we encounter at each stage. Um, okay, so hello everyone, and welcome to the Recovering Academic Podcast. Uh, I'm Ian, and I'm here with Clady and Amanda. And we're our topic today is, um, since we're all in three different points of leaving academia, we're going to devote our episode to uh, talking about what, why we have decided to leave academia. Um, yeah, so that's that's our topic. And I guess, um, are you guys okay with me starting? Yeah, go ahead and start. Yeah. Yeah, you're the closest okay. to... Because like, um... I'm still in academia. And I guess, so, I, I mean, I've been a postdoc for so long now like for eight years that it's just clear to me like academia is just not where i belong or at least like research academia is not where i belong and so i i need to find something else that i can do and i'm still not completely sure what that is i've been exploring for the last couple of years but uh you know it's been it's been hard. And like, I guess my other big motivation is, um, yeah, my other big motivation is that, uh, like academia just hasn't provided like quite the life that I think I would like. Um, and I, I would, so when did you actually start thinking that academia was not really for you? So a couple of years ago, uh, like maybe two or three years ago and um, yeah two or three years ago I decided that you know it just doesn't seem like it's going to happen for me and like nor do I really want the job so I don't I think that's um, important too like, like you know I don't really want the P, the professor PI job like I see the hyper competition I see the uh, you know just how you know like just how like technically savvy you have to be now and you know like i didn't get off to like the most rapid start in my postdoc and like you know there's and it's just you know also being sick of being at the bench like you know it's okay and it's you know can be like you know fine but it's just not it's just not like I, I need to do something else. Like you know what I mean. It's just gotten to be too old hat. And again, a lot of it has for me has to do with also just like academia seems like you know for years I went with the model of dedicating my entire life to it and trying to work all the time and um, getting nowhere fast because I was constantly burned out and stressed out and uh, I just needed I need something else that I need a, a job where it's a little less like that where like, you know, sort of the sign off is like five o'clock and you don't think about work till the next day. Um, that'll let me develop, like it'll literally give me the space to develop a life outside of the lab a little bit more than I feel academia ever will. 
Because, like, no matter what, I just feel compelled to work all the time right now. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that everybody kind of feels like that. Uh... Right. And the thing is, like, I know this probably isn't better in any other field necessarily. Uh, like, any other, like, professional field, but... But in academia, being busy or putting in those extra hours, like, working all the time is a badge of honor. Right. Staying overnight in the lab to pull a time point becomes this noble sacrifice that you have made, which you don't get in a lot of other places. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, and the culture certainly sort of, like, you know, again, I can't speak to any other culture because I haven't been in it really, but my sense is that other workplace cultures are a little more lenient of the nine to five thing. And it's like, yeah, you're a busy person, but you know, it's like, yep. Went home at 5 PM to pick up my kid and you know, whatever. Like it's, it's, it's much more like permitted, I guess. Like, and no one really blinks an eye. In others, like outside academia, it seems that, oh, I'm not being paid for that, you know? So, yeah, of course, I know that there are people that do work extra hours and myself, even now that I'm out, uh, sometimes I end up doing stuff during weekends and and after hours, but it's not, uh, it's something that you do if you really have to uh, and while in academia, it's kind of like that is what is expected yes. you to do. You're expected to work all the time. And and if you're not working, there are a lot of people that have this academic guilt mm-hmm. that like, I should be writing, I should <laughs> be working, I cannot have fun. And, and I think that that's one of the things that yeah. for me yeah. uh, was the hardest to... Uh, to overcome it was the guilt because if I didn't have anything to do and and if I could leave work stop working at 3 p.m uh I simply couldn't because of this and 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 I guess that's right right something oh, I'm is... nodding my head vigorously to everything right. you're saying because oh, yeah. I'll just end with this little anecdote <laughs> yeah. that it occurred to me yesterday like I've been reading a lot more literature lately because of mm-hmm. I'm writing a lot more um and just you know, it occurred to me for years, I felt guilty about having to take time to read the literature, even though it's literally a part of my job. But like, I think in academia, there also seems to be this culture of you're never quite doing the right thing at the right time. And if you're spending time reading literature, you're not doing experiments and, but you have to keep up with the literature, but that maybe that's sort of what your PI's job is. And it'll make you aware of stuff that you need to know, but at the same time, you have to be up on it too. And there's an impossible amount of it, of course. And it feels very futile to like even try to be on top of anything. It's like, oh yeah, that paper looks interesting, so I'll skim through it. Um, but like, there's always that constant guilt of like, am I doing the right thing with my time right now? And I feel like with a more regimented schedule, like it might be easier to structure my day. So yeah, so that's a little bit of my reasons for leaving academia. I think we can um, transition to Amanda and she can talk about uh, why she decided to um, leave academia recently. Cause what, you're a month out now? Yeah, about six weeks. 
weeks. Six weeks. Out. Okay. Yeah. Woo-hoo. Yeah. So I kind of had, I have a couple of different reasons. So one is, um, and this one obviously doesn't apply to everybody, but I had um, geographic limitations because I'll go ahead and out myself. I'm married and I have two kids. So I have to take my partner's um, like job and preferences into account. But also we live within a couple of hours of family. So when our kids are sick, if they're going to be sick for an extended period of time, you know, I can call family and they can drive up and we have a guest bedroom so they can drive up, stay the night and watch the kids the next day. Or even just going home for the holidays isn't a, isn't an or, like, isn't an ordeal. Like it's not, um, you don't have to go to a long do. way. Close, yeah. Right. They're close by. And it's just kind of, it's nicest, but like the big thing is having the kids is that, um, kids get sick a lot. Like I didn't realize this <laughs> <laughs> before, but they get sick all the time. I don't know what's wrong with them. But being able to call up, like, my mom or my husband's parents and be like, hey, can you come up has saved us so many times from having mm-hmm. to take time off. Um, and then my father-in-law was diagnosed with cancer a couple of years ago. So, like, we like to be close for helping out with that. Mm-hmm. So that's something that, like, I – like, an limitation that I placed on myself. Um, and various people have disagreed with me over this – over the years, like um, – people that I've worked for or with because they're like, if you really cared about science, you would move your family across the country. And I'm like, well, I guess I don't care about science that much. Well, I guess <laughs> it's easier when it's not your family and when you're pointing the finger at someone else. Yeah. Uh, because there are a lot of things that you have to take into account To What if you get a job... Uh, in the other side of the U.S., you know, on the West Coast, and and then you just have to tell your husband, okay, now you have to move with me. Right, and yeah, yeah, and I, I feel like there's still like there's this dual like there's sort of the old model of academia where you know like that still persists from the you know when science was first getting going in the 19th century, um, where uh, what we're talking about, like, where, you know, it's, you did it as a calling, you did it because for love, right. and you could also afford to do it because you tended to be independently wealthy. Um, right. And, like, now that's just not, that's not who scientists are anymore, right? It's just, like, we're, it's a become a professionalized job with a workforce and, um, and all of that, right? So. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, it's just, like, it's much more, like, a day job than, you know, than it used to be. But, like, that calling thing still persists and that, you know, noble person doing, let's face it, noble man for the most part, doing, right. you know, <laughs> science just because they have time to do it is still a persistent feature of academia. Yeah, and I think that ties into your um, feeling about that the work just expands to fit the amount of time you have. Right. Because, like... If you had the time, like the noble man who lived in the 19th century who had time to do this, well, that's what that was his hobby. And this is what he did with his time. And it was sort of a calling because, you know, it wasn't right necessarily the formalized profession. So they just did it all the time. Right. And it was possible to keep up with all of the literature. Yeah, that's like, true. You know, because there was just <laughs> less of it. 
Yeah. Um, I guess that you just need to be organized. I I I, I saw a talk once that the the guy uh, the professor said that everybody should read at least two papers a day. Yeah. Whoa. Two publications a day. Yeah. And uh, I tried to do that for a while, but uh, it didn't really could do well <laughs> and then i i don't know in my in my office i used to have those piles like in the beginning i was not really used to reading on pdfs i really mm -hmm. didn't like it so i would print everything so i'll have these piles of papers and then they were like divided so there were those ones that was like very important read as soon as possible and then there were the others like to read and then the other like read with time <laughs> yeah so something else like to go sorry not to bring it back to me but like another thing <laughs> sort of pushing me out of academia and i think many people too is it's really hard to settle into a middle job in academia like you're either a trainee or you're a professor yes and so like there's also that factor to it as well so anyway wait you were yeah. did you have more reasons amanda that you're gonna talk about oh Besides. Yeah, so um, I had a similar thing with bench work. I was tired of working at the bench. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I just kind of, I knew that, like, when I had, like, the first time that I was like, oh, perhaps I should consider something else was when I finally, like, I finally made, like, this, I don't want to say discovery because it makes it sound so important, but, like, I had, like, had that linchpin piece of data that would be that I could write up this paper and... It was like the thing that I had been working for for a year to be able to get the system and everything. And I was just kind of like, okay, good. I'm finally, I'm glad that's finally over. But now I've got to replicate it. You know, now I've got to see if it'll replicate. And I wasn't excited about it. I was just like, oh. and now I've got to see if it, if it replicates. And I was like, yeah, I should be more excited about this. Like this should be the big payoff. Mm -hmm. And yeah. um, I was like, okay, so this is something, this means that I should probably leave. You were not excited, excited about your research anymore. Right. And it wasn't that my research was bad or that it wasn't a good topic or it wasn't something that I necessarily found interesting. It was just I was tired of, like, the work at the bench. Because I could still get excited if I went to talks and stuff like seminars and listen to people. Like, I enjoyed that. But I was just, like, having to do it myself, man. <laughs> no more pipetting right yeah yeah there is definitely uh you know wanting to get up during the like the next day like uh, you know like going to lab one more day and it's just sometimes it's hard right it just doesn't excite you in any way i yeah. mean and it just kind of felt like groundhog day right <laughs> right because like what's interesting to me is like as i'm pursuing like more science writery and editing things like, because I'm writing about science largely, um, like, it sort of rekindled my excitement for actual science. Mm -hmm. Like, not that I want to do it still, because, like, I think, like, I should step aside and let other people have a chance who are much better at bench work than I am. Um, but it, it has sort of made me appreciate that, like, science is really, really awesome. But yeah. it's just, it's often not kind to the people who are doing it. Um and especially like in our current system, the way it is with the tight funding and hyper competition and, you know, the publication system that 
it's convoluted and crazy. Uh, but yeah, it's just, yeah. Anyway, I sort of lost my train of thought, but you know, yeah. I hope you understand what I was saying. So no, we should like, move on to, even... yeah, go ahead, Amanda. Yeah. I'm like, I'm finding that too. Cause like now that I've kind of am doing my own, like my own career, like you were talking about like editing and writing, like I've been editing some grants for, um, submission and, it's really exciting to see what other people are doing out there and I get to help clarify their thoughts and talk to them about experimental design and help make their writing more clear and concise. And that's really exciting and it's fun to read. And like, I read about everything from circadian rhythms to people figuring out new methods for detecting um, signaling mechanisms. So it's just, it's cool and it's fun. I just don't want to do it anymore. Right. It's kind of like you are aware and you are included. You feel like you're yes. still in academia. You're still helping the science, but not actually doing it. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I'm happy doing that. And I'm happy like disseminating information. I'm just glad that I don't have to be the one that's actually gathering it. Yes. I am that exactly feeling that way too. And yeah, so we should move on to um, what Clady, yeah. like why, what her reasons are for leaving academia. Yeah. Uh, well, my reasons, I guess that I'm a little bit different from you guys. My, mine was a, a mixture or of, uh, decision and necessity. Let's put it like that. Uh, because in my case, what happened is that, um, my PI retired and, and then we got into this limbo of um, another PI kind of assumed the lab, but he was not really uh, the expert on the, on the matter. So it was kind of like just because we needed someone to be PI. And, and I believe that whatever, whenever we had to, and we had an R1 in the lab, a big one, uh, and when it was time for renewal, the we everybody was uh, worked hard on that, you know. And it was not just before that the PI had a lot of experience and he could write everything. So everybody was kind of helping, and we did the best that we could. Uh, but in the end, uh, the grant was not renewed. So. Um, and of course, I knew that uh, I was, I was in the lab for also eight years, like Ian, and um, and during this time, uh, because of life, I think uh, the first years I didn't really apply for any jobs. I was kind of comfortable being a postdoc. Um, I was also in a relationship in town, so. Uh, and then I started applying for jobs and, and then it was kind of like overwhelming and, and I was, I started just applying for jobs that were quite exactly for me, uh, like my dream jobs. Mm-hmm. And then I saw that that was not going to work. So then I started applying for some that I would like to do. And then in the end, I was applying to almost everything that I thought that I could fit, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I I didn't. So I didn't get a job in academia. And then in, during this process 
of applying and realizing how important was the grant, how important was the number of publications, and, and all the pressure that was in academia. So that's why I say that it's a mixture of necessity and, and, and actually wanted to leave. Because I feel like in that process, I started to kind of like, I don't know, uh, how can I say, not, academia was not as beautiful as I thought that it was, you know? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, no, kind of became disillusioned, maybe. Right, and yeah. Yeah, I think that that's the word. And I also felt, like, pushed out, too. Because, like, you know, it's sort of, like, you know, the feeling of, oh, yeah, if you, I mean, I know we're all biologists, so, like, if you don't have the science nature cell paper, just forget about getting a job anywhere. Like, you know, yeah. that, like, even if it's not a true-ism, like, it's shorthand for something that feels true of having high impact um, publications, right. That are, yeah. you know, and it's, you know, I think some of the data bear this out. If you go and look at the research of who gets faculty jobs, like they often tend to be from very big elite research institutions in the crazy rock star labs who are, you know, getting the tenure track jobs at R1 schools. Yeah. And even yeah, like probably a lot of the P, like that. the primarily undergrad institution jobs too. Um, so yeah, so there is an element of feeling pushed out as well. Yeah, I felt like, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, after eight years, I was like, okay, if I could talk to my uh, beginner, like my younger self as a beginner of a postdoc, maybe I'll have done things differently. And then my CV will have been better, and then I'll have more publications right now. And but uh, I don't know. At some point, I was like, if this is what it takes to be in academia, all I don't think that I want that. You know what I mean? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, I I got I was offered a job at a small school um, mm -hmm. as an assistant professor, um, but I ended up turning them down because it. Like while I was, I went down and taught some classes and stuff to help um, kind of fill in the gap and to kind of see um, where this class was that I was potentially going to take over the following year. And um, I can't remember who said it once, but somebody was like, academia is like a pie eating contest where the reward is more pie. Yeah. And <laughs> like that was kind of how it felt was I was like, okay, if I do all these things, then like... If I do all these things to brush up my CV and I do all this stuff to like, I work really hard and I overextend myself during my postdoc, I will get this job and I will be able to like take a breath and like, and I, it was a, um, like it was a, it was a medical school, but it was primarily teaching with the side of research. Like my mission would be for teaching medical students and I'd have a small research program, mm -hmm. um, but, like, they were, when everyone was there, where they were talking about how, like, they were trying to build up their, rep not that this was a bad thing, but they were trying to build up their reputation and that they really were trying to emphasize doing the research. And while you were going to have some protected time for research, you were really expected to do more. And I was like, okay, <laughs> this is not what I want to do. Like, I don't want to, like, I don't need more pie. I'd really right. like a glass of milk. <laughs> like, yeah, I believe that I heard, like, from, people saying like oh yeah you think that you're working hard whenever you 
actually get a a PI job in academia, then you're going to see what is working hard because then you have to teach, you have to prepare all your classes, right. you have to mount, buy things for your lab mm -hmm. and be worried about publishing and not publishing too much, uh, kind of consistently over the five, right. the first five years in order to get tenure. So it's it's just too much stress. For me, it was just too much. And... Uh, but un unlike you guys, I really enjoyed the research part. I don't know if it's uh, because of the type of research that I was doing. Um, I was doing animal research. So part of my research was surgeries on animals. And I really liked to do that. Um, so and then I had it was always a long time long-term experiment so my experiments usually lasted about a month mm -hmm. by the time that we ordered the animals and we did usually we did one surgery and then we wait one week recovery and then we did another surgery and then we would do another week recovery and then we would do the experiment um and then after that it will be the we will collect samples uh, brain samples, blood samples, and then the other week we'll analyze those samples. So it's kind of like um, yeah. there was not, it was a lot to play around that I didn't get bored. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, that's cool. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess like the wrap up, like, you know, it's a lot of our, yeah, there's definitely, like, there's things that we're going to be missing about academia and like for me, it's still not completely clear that I'm going to be able to transition into something new. Like I, I, I'm going on, it's a leap of faith for me to say like, oh yeah, there's things I can do. Like if there's one thing I wish I could go back and do, it's for the beginning of my postdoc is, oh, go explore other careers faster and earlier, right? Rather than what I've been doing. Like I've been, I have been exploring the last couple of years and I've been lucky to be able to have time to do that, but it's also felt very scrambly and very ad hoc and haphazard. So but I think that's how a lot of people feel, though. Like yes, I think that's true. Like when too. you're making this big sort of thing, like right. I think I was talking to a friend of mine, and I think that's something that's different about academia and science. Like you go through undergrad, you go to grad, like you undergrad, you know you're going to grad school, you go to grad school, you know you're going to get your postdoc. It's not. Like those, that's like set for you. Um, but a lot of people have this sort of like, right? What's next? Flailing feeling when they're leaving undergrad. Like, what do I do next? Like, what do I right. do with this degree? And right. it's just that we're having it. Right, we're like having it later in life road. than most people. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's that's a good point. No, that's that's right. Because like, so I th yeah, I think it a... helps me to normalize the feeling. Like, it's something that other people have gone through before. Right, but they also went through it in their 20s when it was, you yeah. know, that, like, flex time, and you're, they were doing crazy experimental things anyway, and it's a lot harder <laughs> to do it in your late 30s. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's harder, but I believe also that um, although it's scary, uh, I think that whenever we do it, we kind of know that is that that's what we want. Right, yeah, you're yeah. Not I certain remember about that. I was talking to my former PI uh, whenever I was in this process of um, applying for jobs outside in academia. And actually, I think that 
that conversation was when I was offered the job that I'm working now and 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 I was talking to him and thinking that saying that I thought that it was going to be cool to get this job and he told me like you gotta think this very 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 hard because if you leave academia there's no way back and he was kind of like mm-hmm. I don't know scary yeah yeah <laughs> in a scary way and and then I, I remember that I, I gave it a thought you know and I was like well I don't really believe I think that if I want to come back maybe well not as a PI maybe but I can still come back to work in a lab if I want it like sure. if I really want it right but I don't know. I, I, I thought about it and, and, and I think that it made sense for me that no, that's not what I want. I know, uh, I, I may not know what I want, but I know what I don't yes. want. Right. So oh. I think that that's very, very important. Right. Oh, I agree. And yeah, so we're going to wrap up our discussion this week and say, um, sign off and say, uh, see you next time on the Recovering Academic Podcast. And thank you for listening. Yeah, see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Recovering Academic Podcast. Our music is from bensound.com under a Creative Commons license. You can find us on the web at recoveringacademic.net where you can contact us and subscribe to our newsletter. You can find all of us on Twitter. I'm at Lady Scientist. I'm at Dr. Underscore PMS. And I'm at IH Street. And don't forget, there is sunshine outside the ivory tower. <laughs> <laughs>